in the gospel this past year. It's a privilege and a great honour to labour with the people of God and uh, to move forward with the gospel and to be resolved no longer to linger in this uh, worldly way that we have been redeemed from, this worldly age. We're so thankful for that. And uh, if you can remember what the principle was yesterday, the devotion, the principle. Can you remember? Yeah, amen. <laughs> Very good, Nikita. Amen. Praise God for that. That's how I put it. Almost verbatim. Yes. <clears throat> we can have good things, but sometimes the good things get in the way of the best things. And I don't know about you, but I want God's will to be done in my life, not just live in the good things. And uh, what a terrible thing that would be. Remember I gave the illustration, Christians are up and down. And if they're up and down, if you look at your life, in 2022 and you were like this with your relationship with the Lord or serving the Lord you didn't go anywhere you stayed the same place you just went up and down and the Bible says to keep ourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life and so when we fell in love with the Lord the day we got saved we, we, we want to continue to move onward we may fall but we get up again by God's grace and go we don't want to be doing this in 2022 because we get nowhere. It's just, we want to be able to you know, move forward and upward and abound yet more and more. That's what the Bible says. Um, and uh, have our faith, like the Thessalonians, built up exceedingly. Remember, we saw that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, that their faith was built up exceedingly. You know? And so thank God for that uh, uh, example that we see. And it's possible. Even in the dark hour that we live in, it's possible. Even with so much uh, hindrances, it's possible. So have a look at 1 Peter chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to continue in the third part of this series of the passing pilgrim. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask the, the Lord to help us with our concentration, please. And remove any hindrances that we may have in our hearts. Uh, be ashamed that we uh, would not allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you, Father, that we can come before the throne of thy grace and pray and ask for help in time of need. And we we in need of you. We are needy people. Father, there are many, many casualties uh, in Christendom today, just living the bare minimum Christian life the nominal Christian life. And we don't want to just live and get by the bare minimum. We want to excel and grow in, in grace and in the knowledge of our, your dear Son, our Saviour, that we may learn how to please you yet more and more in this dark day. Father, we ask and pray that you would help us to put aside anything right now that would hinder us, that would uh, distract us. Please, Lord, help us to also put uh, aside biases and help us to be focused on the Word of God. I pray that you would uh, still our hearts for this time. May you help me convey your Word to your people effectively, simply, and uh, uh, precisely, dear God. Help us uh, today uh, by your Spirit and uh, by your Word that we may be built up in the faith that we would show forth praises of God as we live the Christian life in this world as lights and salt for your glory. Help us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter chapter number 2, look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priest to the holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in uh, time past were not a people, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Uh, whoever's got that mobile phone, please, can we just uh, put it on silent or switch it off? In verse 11, Peter describes the believer who has uh, trusted uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal saviour as pilgrims and strangers, or strangers and pilgrims. Uh, the Apostle Peter simply alluding to the fact that Christians are just passing through. This world is not their home. 
Uh, they're not here to stay. Uh, they're sojourning, if you will. They're strangers to uh, this foreign country because we have our citizenship, which is in where? Heaven. And so the first sermon I preached regarding this subject, we looked at the character of a passing pilgrim. We looked at four things, the chosen generation that Christians are called, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are all priests before God. We can go directly to God. We're a holy nation and a peculiar people. We are God's uh, purchased possession, but we are purchased for a purpose. And what was that purpose? The Bible says that we simply would show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We saw the calling of a passing pilgrim, not only the characteristic, but the calling of a passing pilgrim. And we could show forth his praises by simply uh, living a sanctified life and by our submission to authority and our suffering that we uh, simply have because of the gospel. Light is supposed to shine. Salt is supposed to taste. There is flavor. And man is made to worship God. We have been put on this earth to worship God and glorify him. This morning I would like to preach on the third main point. And when you looked at the character and the calling of a passing pilgrim, but lastly I want to focus on verse 11, the command of a passing pilgrim. Uh, there are things that we allow in the Christian life that could dim the light from shining uh, to the glory of God or to show forth his praises, if you will. And here Peter says to abstain, to abstain from fleshly lusts. And there are things that could hinder the calling of a Christian from simply uh, exhibiting, if you will, praises to God. There are some things that we allow in our life that remove that saltiness, that effect that we can have toward others. In verse 11, Peter gives a clear command to Christians. It's clear. You, 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 it, it, it's simple. It's clear. And this requires, no doubt, action and diligence from our part. Uh, I want to speak about three different things. I want to talk about from verse 11, a sincere command that he gives, and then a serious conflict, and then a sober reality. Look at the first verse 11. It says, Dearly beloved. You know, Peter appeals to them uh, by simply stating by this that uh, these Christians that he's not only exhorting and reminding what they have in Christ and they're calling, but now even the instruction that he's given, he's given it with love. You, you are dear to me, dearly beloved. Uh, I, I care about you. These Christians were dear to Peter's heart. And so it is. And so it should be with every preacher that's preaching the word of God. It's very difficult to give instruction to Christians today. It's very difficult. But over here, Peter points out the Christian's position and purpose as the people of God, and he pleads with them as the people of God and calls them, if you will, dearly beloved. These Gentiles, uh, uh, sorry, these uh, Jewish uh, Christians that were scattered amongst the Gentile world throughout different places. He calls them dearly beloved. He, he calls them near to his heart. Uh, heart. He's showing affection here for a reason. He gives his hearers uh, a powerful principle, if you will, and the principle is this, uh, abstain from fleshly lust. The word abstain simply means to be disciplined, to hold oneself from something. It's to withhold uh, simply from, to keep uh, self from, and here in our context means selfly, uh, selfish lusts or fleshly lusts. All things that appeal to the lust of the flesh, uh, the word fleshly refers to the old carnal man. The word lust refers to the strong passions or cravings that, that come within, desires which come with, within. This refers to the central side of our human nature. Fleshly lust are things that are forbidden. Uh, it can also be things that control us and things outside of the will of God that we pursue. Now, if you look at Galatians chapter 5, there are uh, a list of, uh, you know, the works of the flesh. There are about 17 of them, 17 of the works of the flesh that are characterized of the fleshly nature that wars within our soul. Uh, allow me to briefly go through them uh, and, and, and just touch on, on some of these things. And perhaps in particular, one thing I want to talk to you today about lust. But look at verse 19 in Galatians 5. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. What are they? Which are these? Look at the first four that he gives. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. I want to talk about these four here. But let's talk about the rest and come back here. Why? Because these have to do with sexual 
sins and sexual immorality, listen, that is simply plaguing our uh, nation, our world, our lives, our homes, our churches today. I mean, this lust here that is mentioned, there's a division between these 17 characteristics. I don't have time to labor on every single one of them. He also talks about idolatry. Now, idolatry is anything that comes in the place of God or is put before the Lord. And, I, and if you simply search your heart this last past year and you realize what has come before the Lord, don't make any excuses. Don't blame people. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I've been peer pressured, or I did this because of that. No, don't blame people. And we're going to see that we must take full responsibility of our self-indulgences or things that we put before the Lord that's, uh, that are consumed upon our own lusts. Uh, he says he variances. This is contentions and debates, emulations, emulations, intense covetousness, pride, selfish, a competitive spirit, wrath, strife. This is unrighteous anger, spiteful irritations and ag aggravation, seditions. This is divisions and disunity and heresies. Verse 21, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And look at this, and such alike. So there's more than just these 17 characteristics. There are more, and as a matter of fact, if you go to other passages of Scripture, like uh, you know, Ephesians 5 or uh, Colossians 3 and, and even Jude, you'll see that there are many other things that are descriptive of, of these fleshly lusts that come within. There are three main things we see in the Scripture that has rendered the character or, or the Christian useless. And I've was taught this in Bible college and I believe it because it's rippled throughout the scriptures. I will never forget it. I was there in one of the chapel lessons and the, and the, and the lecturer said there were three things that you have to protect yourself from. Pride, possessions and people. And when you're referring to people, it's talking about the forward man or the strange woman. Pride, possessions and people. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us very clearly uh, that uh, the strange woman has cast down many wounded. You know, simply strong men have fallen by her. And uh, the strange woman and the Jezebel spirit is all throughout the internet today. It's characterized in the world, but let me just tell you something. We're there to reach people uh, uh, like uh, that woman at the well and others alike. So we're not condemning them, but we want to be careful as Christians that we're not influenced by them. And I'm telling you today that the church is influenced by the Jezebel spirit. As a matter of fact, even in the day of John, he had to write uh, in, in Revelation to be careful of that Jezebel that came to cause the church or the people of God to fornicate. And I want to talk about this for a moment because even John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, what happens? Abides forever. And this is what we want. But what hinders the will of God in our lives? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And this is rampant. Brethren, let me say this to you. Abstain from any form of sexual immorality. This includes low-grade, M-rated, even PG films uh, that has soft porn in it and, 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 and depicts a Jezebel spirit. Ungodly men, ungodly women, media content that encourage fornication and adultery. Brethren, let me just say this to you. YouTube today, you might not have a television in your room, and if you do, uh, or in your, in your living room, cut the antenna, because all you find on that is filth. But let me say something to you. It is easy to have uh, uh, you know, YouTube accessible with one click. One click. And it doesn't matter how careful you are, there's always some content that you're scrolling, that you see on social media, uh, on the media clips on Facebook and, or, or, or Instagram or that wicked TikTok. Someone says me, sends me a little link to see some news about what happens in the coronavirus and all, the, and all of a sudden these other options come. I don't want to look at that. But that's what happens. And the Christian is desensitized. 
And what begins to happen is your eye gate, what comes in your eye gate, either the, the, the lust of the eyes begin to uh, uh, simply bring up those fleshly lusts that are in your members. Because the old man still exists. It's still, it's still active. He's still there. And a man of God said, entertaining evil desires, even if those desires are never acted upon, takes our focus of Christ and turns our hearts from heavenly to earthly desires. All evil actions begin with a simple thought. Therefore, Peter advised believers to kill sin right at its roots. Fleshly lusts that come within, as soon as they simply lift up that head, you need to uh, simply mortify or kill. I'm going to give you some principles and know how to do that. But listen, Christian, you are not going to do that if you are uh, simply entrenched with wicked things on the internet. You will not. We are absolutely bombarded as it is with billboards and magazines and uh, the music in Coles and Woolies and Bunnings when we're doing our daily work. And God gives grace for that hour. But when you're in your room and you're secretly strolling, that's the test of Christian character. And there needs to be some hard and fast and deliberate decisions that war against our soul and say, I will not set no wicked thing before our eyes. This principle has been lost. Why? Because we are inundated. Uh, I should say we are flooded with so many evils that we become desensitized and no longer it affects the heart. Because we're used to it. We think it's normal, but it's not normal. David said, I will not set. This is deliberate decision. I will not. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes look at this i hate the work the work of them that turn aside in all forms uh simply movies magazines books music clips in every form and fashion i will not look at it the deliberate decision must come from a holy hatred for it you don't have a holy hatred for it there's no way you're going to make a decision to say i i'm going to put this off i'm going to abstain withhold from a holy hatred for sin stems from a healthy fear of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil and every evil way. But the problem is, is that Christians don't put God-given conviction in places because they don't have a healthy fear of God. And because they don't have a healthy fear of God, they don't hate the workers of iniquity or the work of iniquity or sin in their own life. And so therefore, what's going to happen? Who's going to lose the battle? And, and there's no way you'll be able to show forth praises of God. You know what, Job, uh, you know, Daniel said this in Daniel 1.8. He says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. See, he needs a deliberate decision. That he would not defile himself the king's meat. You know why Daniel could say that at that moment? Because long before, long before he formulated convictions that he will remain holy before God. You see, for a Jew, it was, uh, uh, you know against the law of Moses to defy yourself with uh, some meats that will abstain from some meats in the Old Testament for the Jewish people and also meats that were offered to idols and so he Daniel says I'm not going to do it he purposed in his heart that he will not defile himself it takes a deliberate decision what about Job when he said I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look upon a maid you know what he said long ago I made a commitment that I will be faithful to my wife you know why he said this? Because his, his friends accused him of adultery. Because, hey, Job, you must have been suffering for a reason. Look what's taking place in your life. What did you do, Job? You've been looking upon other uh, women? Now he says, long ago, I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look upon a maid. Wow. You know what's going on today? It's not only men, it's women too that are absolutely entrenched with this evil that we see on the internet today. The eye is so curious. I just want to see. I'm not tempted, but I just want to see. See what? See what? There's nothing to see but wicked and evil things that ought not to be in our home, let alone in our hearts. Because those images that you see are there. 
and you wonder why we have, uh, you know, simply uh, bad thoughts, bad dreams. Because what you ponder upon and what you arouse in your flesh to see, what you meditate upon is simply going to come up to the surface. And over here, Peter's saying you need to deal with this. You need to deal with it. And, and, and the Bible gives us principles on how to deal with it. You know, what does the Hebrew writer say? He says, wherefore seeing we are also encompassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, he says, look at this, let us lay aside every way and sin, what, look, which doth so easily beset us. It's so accessible. It's all around us. We're, everywhere we go, every, every turn, we need to lay it aside. You know, the Christian life is, is, is one, and we're going to see it in a moment of hardship because we're constantly fighting. And we're not only fighting against the system and the devil, but we're fighting against his flesh. A man of God said, because we will not escape our sinful surroundings until Christ returns, and because we still have a sinful nature that wants to act on its desires, we will not be able to remain completely free from sin and its effect, but we can keep away from, control, from the controlling desires right from the start. It's how you deal with it from the beginning. And there needs to be a deliberate decision. There needs to be an act. There needs to be a fervent, uh, uh, you know, radical, as Jesus puts it, amputation to cut off and pluck out. There needs to be some principles that we set in the home, in the church, in our life to say, I will not do this. What you say, what about when you go out soul winning? Oh, it's so difficult. But we go out soul winning to go and reach Lot and his family and get out. We're not there to indulge in Sodom and Gomorrah. We're in and out. I know it's so hard even to go and shop these days. You walk in a store and you're bombarded with mannequins that are obnoxious and rude. Hey, you, you can't every turn. And what, what do those things do? Arouse sinful passions. So right from get-go, grab what you need to go and get out of there. It's very difficult in this world today to be comfortable and, 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 and simply uh, sightseeing and different things of that nature. It's hard. Can't even really go to the beach these days. You've got to be very careful where you go. I recommend that you never go between the two flags. You're going to find a lot of nakedness there. Maybe go to a family-orientated area. But even then sometimes, it's, it's grieviness. It's, it's, what do you do when you're going to have to make decisions to say, you know what, I cannot tolerate this any longer. So what do you do? Live like a monk? No, we're in the world, but not of the world. Separation is not isolation. I don't have to make sure I know how to handle my sinful passions that come from my uh, within. How do I handle this? Now I want you to see the second uh, uh, part of this uh, sermon a serious conflict look at this dearly beloved I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust that what what's that word he uses war, war. against your souls that war against your souls is like a, 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 a whole band of soldiers coming against the battle that war, they're coming to take over. Paul uses a, sorry, Peter uses a military term to express the fact that Christians are at war with the fleshly desires that come within. It's been said, the Christian life is not a playground, it is a battlefield. And you know why Christians are losing the battle? Because they're constantly jesting. And Ephesians 5 says, don't even, look, don't jest. Don't even muck around in, 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 in a very crude way at all. Don't even uh, look, abstain from every appearance of evil, thought, word, deed. A lot of people jest. Filthy jokes, filthy connotations. Where do they learn this from? YouTube. Look, there is a lot of junk on YouTube. You've got to be very careful. Very, very careful. The three greatest enemies are Satan, the system of this world, and self. I don't really want to focus on Satan or the system. I want to focus on self. Because you know what? We're responsible. Satan uses the, the, allume, uh, the, the, the lures of the world or the bait of the world to simply entice us. 
but we are responsible. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Just say no. D.L. Moody says, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any man I know. David did. That's why he said, Lord, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. He was so sensitive to his sinful nature and his self that he wanted to be delivered and led in the path of righteousness, the way of everlasting. If we don't have this desire and hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will never win the battle from within. We'll never do it. It's a war that takes place. And it's the war that comes from within. James says this, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that, look at this, war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war and ye have not because ye ask not. And he says, and ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Why? That ye may consume it upon your own what? Lust. This battle that comes within to do all that we can to get what we want, even our prayers are distorted. Not praying in the will of God, almost treating God like as if he's a genie. God, you're at my beck and call. God, I'm planning tomorrow outside of your will and I'm boasting. You know what? Everything is falling into place. You know what James says? That's evil. It's hard to live in the will of God. Because the pride and the ambition and the lust of the eyes and flesh are gone. But the will of God abides forever. It is hard to walk circumspectly in our day to day. But we must. You know what Paul says to Timothy? War, a good warfare. It's a war. And we're fighting against the flesh because the flesh wants its way. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 15? He says, uh, not that which goeth into the mouth that defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, uh, this defileth a man. Look at verse 18. But those things which proceeds out of the mouth come from where? From the heart. And they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, false witness, and blasphemies. The word war carries the idea of military operation. Our fleshly desires are constantly bombarded and simply bombarding our personal uh, inner man. It says he, soul, that war against the soul. The target is our very soul. This depicts the seriousness of the conflict. We must never let our guard down because we are in constant warfare with our sinful nature, with the old man. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with what? With all diligence. For out of it is what? For out of it are the issues of life. The word he keep means to guard, to look intently, to stand over. It's almost like a security guard that stands over with great anticipation and watching. That nothing is simply coming out that will defile a person. Look, if we give in to the fleshly desires, then we, must be, uh, we cannot in any way, shape or form do the very things that God has called us to do. I want you to see Galatians 5. Look at this. Look at verse 16. If we give in to the old man and let the old man have its way, then there's no way we can fulfill the, 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 the will of God in bringing forth praises to God by the life that we live. There's no way. Have a look at uh, verse 16. This I say, walk in the spirit and what will happen? And you shall not fulfill the lust of the what? Flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And look at this. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are what? Contrary. So there's a battle that's taking place. They're enemies. The Holy Spirit of God that lives within us, the new nature, uh, the new man, and the old nature, they're at war. They're at war with one another. And so what happens? So that you cannot do the things that you would. So the flesh, our sinful nature, our, our, our desires that come from within, are the very things that will hinder us from doing the very things that God has called us to do. If we yield to them, 
and we don't yield to the Spirit of God and the leading of God, which God uses through his word and the principles found therein, and we obey and take every step of obedience by faith, then what? The flesh will have and take the best of us. And see you later. You know, you can be a hearer of the word, but if you're not a doer of the word, you're not going to build your house upon a rock, practically speaking. You know, yes, salvation, we thank God that we're saved by grace through faith, but there's an aspect of, of, of warring as a Christian. Look at 2 Timothy 2. I want you to see this. 2 Timothy 2, look at verse 3. We're saved by grace through faith and we live by grace through faith. I'm so glad that we're saved by grace through faith, but that doesn't mean we continue to live the way we want to live and yield to the old nature. Look, we have a new nature and we can say uh, no to the old nature because of the new nature that we have. We're not, no longer slaves to the old nature. We have the Spirit of God that tells us this is wrong. We yield to Him and we say, yes, it's wrong. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I will not. I will not. I will not set. And there are principles that govern our life from the Scripture. People call it legalism. I call it love for God. Pleasing God. Loving God. And then, yeah, there is an aspect of legalism. People practice it. But look, listen, I don't have to look at people and say, I no longer want to have any kind of conviction in my life because they're abusing the Word of God. No. I can still have things set in place and not be worried about what men think or they're going to think, oh, he's part of a cult. They don't do that. They don't go there. They don't have a TV. In well, that's your, you know, leave me alone. Do what you want and leave me alone. I want to love my Lord. I want to lead the home. I want to lead the church. Uh, why is my life threatened? Because I want to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. You know what? If you want to go to war, you go to war. And you don't have much at war. You have little to live on. And you have a purpose and a goal. And the purpose and the goal is to fight. You know what Paul says to Timothy? He says this, Thou therefore endure hardness. It's not easy. In other words, being, living the Christian life in this world is not easy. But he says endure it. Push through. Endure hardness. Look at this. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What kind of soldier do you want to be? You can be a good soldier or a bad soldier. You can be a soldier that always simply just lazes around, amounts to nothing, uh, fulfills the desire of, of the lustful flesh and is not mounting up to anything, not fulfilling the will of God in any way, shape or form. Or you can be a good soldier that pleases the Lord. Look at this. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. He says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. James, if you can come up and use this illustration. See, if you want to be a good soldier, enduring hardness, moving forward, fighting the good fight of faith, then you cannot be entangled with the affairs of this life. You cannot. So, I don't know whose is this for anyway, by the way. Uh, <laughs> William gave it to me and he didn't know what whose is. It's for bother. If it's any, if it's one of the brethren here, I'll buy you another one. Okay. Um, I asked a couple of men, and they weren't sure. But if this is yours, don't get in the flesh. Amen. <laughs> All right. So this is James. He's a soldier, and he's not. He's entangled with the affairs of this life. He's not enduring hardness. He's giving in, and he's entangled. He entangles himself with the affairs of this life. He goes to work, comes home, puts his feet up, watches YouTube. Or maybe just sits down, looks up marketplace and see what he wants to buy that he doesn't need. Anyone done that before? You, want, you just look and scroll. You don't, you're not even looking for anything. You're just looking for a good buy and for what? You're entangled. You've been there before? And just you're entangled, entangled, entangled. And, you know, eventually, what's going to happen if you let yourself go long enough? All right. He's not going to be able to, to war good warfare not using his hands, is he? Or if we keep going not using his feet. To be entangled with the affairs of this life will hinder you from being what God wants you to be, a good soldier that pleases him. And that's the question you want to ask yourself. Who do you want to please, God or yourself? We live our life every day pleasing self. We do. That's why Jesus said, deny yourself, carry the cross, carry your cross, 
and follow me. Why did he say that? You know what? He's depicting a characteristic of a Christian. He's not depicting someone that needs to deny themselves, carry the cross and follow Jesus to be a Christian. He's showing this is how a follower of Christ looks like. He denies himself. He picks up his cross and he follows me. And today you have Christians that are just sitting on their blessed hope and doing nothing. That's not a good soldier. He's, they're entangled. To get up and say, I'm not going to live for Charlie today. I'm going to live for the Lord. And that means living with every response, God-given responsibility that God has given me. And my responsibility may be different than yours. But what is it? What has God called you to do in the Lord's army? Wash feet, maybe? Perhaps can't do much. But host the people of God. Love on people. Entertain strangers. Be on your knees and praying. How many times are we entangled with debates on YouTube? Christian debates. But we're thinking, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's a Christian debate. It's not a Hollywood movie. But after two hours, what did you achieve? There are some good things that you can watch that are profitable, but we can go into endless debates, endless controversial issues, and do nothing for the rest of our life. One year passes and we're just entangled and haven't lived out the Christian life. This is what can happen. What are you got to do when it happens? Mate, just cut them off. I'm trying not to cut your shirt. Cut them off. You know what happens when you get entangled? You just cut it off and now you're free. What things in your life in 2022 have crippled you and entangled you from living to the glory of God? Don't blame people. Don't look at others. Not you. Personal response. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame God. Don't blame other believers. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame your kids. Thank you, James. I mean, this is serious. If we're going to simply live, we, we can waste years, brethren. If we're going to live in 2023, moving forward and warring a good warfare, then we need to cut off anything that hindered us in 2022. What were they for you? I know what they are for me. And by the way, they weren't big things. I'm not going to be living you know, a defeated life as a pastor. So you might think, oh, pastor. No, 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 no. No, no, no. As soon as that weed comes, snip, snip. You're constantly warring a good warfare. It comes in for a little bit. I can detect it sooner than later. But if you let it linger and let it go on and on and on, before you know it, you, you, you get stuck. And you can't get out of it. You've got to know how to let go. Put off, put on. Move forward. By the way, this gives us a good indication that though we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're blood-bought believers, we can still be susceptible to fleshly appetites. We can. Well, thank God we can't lose our salvation, amen? But we can certainly lose our testimony, our usefulness. We can hinder the power of God from working in our lives. No matter how long we've been in the faith, we can be five, we can be 10, 15, 20. Uh, we need to be very careful because we're all susceptible. We're all vulnerable to sin. You know what Paul says to the Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh that he standeth take heed, lest he what? Lest he fall. And by the way, you know what he said prior to this? He uses the children of Israel in the wilderness to, to say, listen, look what they lasted after. Be careful that you don't last after and you can fall in this area like the children of Israel. We look at the children of Israel, we say, oh my, how were they just simply, uh, uh, you know, uh, moved away from God's grace and they were redeemed from the hand of Pharaoh and out of Egypt and now God is taking them to the promised land. How come they couldn't be content with that? But can, can I ask you something? What did they last after? Everything that we have now. You say, what do you have now? Watermelons, leeks, garlic, cucumber. <laughs> I mean, what people lust after now is not just food. But they had other issues in their life. Idolatry, fornication. Discontent will lead you a long ways from where God wants you to be. 
and keep you in the wilderness further than you want to stay, longer than you want to stay. How, do, how long do you want to stay? 40 years in the wilderness when the trip perhaps would have taken a couple of weeks perhaps? And, and brethren, I guarantee you, you can be in the wilderness and one year to another year to another year and you haven't grown and abounded yet more and more in pleasing God and living for others, you still will find yourself in the same place, losing the same battles. There has to be a determination today and you say, you know what, I'm going to stop doing this. This is taking my, my time. We must walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. You know what Paul says to Timothy? He says, flee also youthful lusts. And he says, follow after what? Righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the law out of a pure heart. That, that will preach if we look at all these other things. That's the spirit of Joseph in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. You've got to understand the Old Covenant, the Spirit of God came on them. God was still with them. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling with us. You know what Joseph, when he was tempted with Potiphar's wife to lay with him, you know what he said? How can I commit this great wickedness and sin against God? How can I watch that filth? Listen to that filth. How can I be amongst wine-bibbers that blaspheme my Savior? I'm not here for a purpose to try to reach them. I'm being corrupted by their communication. See, we've got almost excuses for everything. You know, living the Word of God is so hard. It's not easy. But God has given us the means to be able to do the very things that God has called us to do. Look, listen, being tempted is not a sin. It's yielding to the temptation that's a sin. We're always going to be tempted, but you have to learn to say no. 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 And that's what a soldier does. He moves forward and he has to say no to certain things. There's no way if he's not walking circumspectly, making decisions uh, that are simply uh, a sober mind, disciplined attitude that he would ever, ever be profitable to the very uh, 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 role that he's been placed in. There's no way in the world if we keep yielding to temptations. You know what James says? He says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. So don't blame God when you fall into sin. Don't blame God when you fall into sin. He says this, Neither tempteth he any man, and God is not tempting you to do evil. It is not God that's tempting you to do evil. God tries us and proves us, but he doesn't lure us to sin. The devil does that. Okay? But notice he even puts the blame, James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts the blame on us. He says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his what? His own lusts. And enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth what? Sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth what? Death. And he says, do not err, my beloved brethren. See, we are tempted because of the lust that abides within. We are lured away by our own lustful desires and then enticed. And then sin is born and brought forth. And then we allow the lustful... Uh, desires to control us that brings forth death and I'll tell you there are, there are a lot of things that are dying today marriages, friendships, ministry look at Demas, look at King Saul why was Demas rendered useless and unprofitable because he loved the pleasures of this life and you know what the pleasures of this life it doesn't have to be sexual immorality you could just living for yourself Demas no longer in the ministry, maybe being a pew warmer, maybe just uh, living life and getting by and just have a little couple of chapters in the day and a two-minute prayer here and there. And, and yeah, maybe when I'm comfortable, I could reach someone. It's just a mellowed-down Christianity, not a warring soldier that lives for Christ. Because if you do today, you're the, you know, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. When I, I shared this uh, yesterday with you. When I got saved, I got saved and I was on fire and a lot of people perhaps don't have that testimony. Maybe my kids don't have the same testimony of me and I don't expect them to. But for me, this is how it was. I was saved, I was on fire and I fell in love with Jesus. 
Was I carnal? Yeah, there were a lot of things that God was working out of my life and in my life. I was a carnal uh, Christian, but on fire spiritually because I was growing. There were a lot of things in the sense that I was doing that were carnal, not that I wanted to be carnal. God was removing them out of my life. And uh, there were a few people in the church that said, I'll give him two years. I'll give him two years. I think, what, what do you mean give me two years here? Yeah, the honeymoon uh, you know, period is finished. After two years, he'll just be like us. Sit down. Do the bare minimum, do what you're told, go home, go live like, you know, the rest of the world, you know, just eat, drink, sleep, wake up, do it all over again. Have a little devotion here, there, you know, do your little religious thing, be happy. And then I'm thinking, is this true? I went home, I said, Lord, no, I don't want this to be true. And I, 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 I cried. I don't want to be a statistic. Unknowns to me, God will call me in the ministry. Not every Christian is called in the ministry, but they're enlisted in the army to do some sort of thing for the great commission and for the Lord's sake and for the gospel's sake. What has God called you, commissioned you within the body of Christ? A man of God said this, our real battle is not with people around us, but with the passion within us. If we yield to those, these sinful appetites, then we will start living like the unsaved around us and will become ineffective witnesses. And it's true. It's true. I want you to close with this, the sober certainty. Look at this. He says, I, dearly beloved, look at this. I beseech you. This is like a pleading here. And what's the, certi what's the sober uh, uh, certainty? As strangers and pilgrims. What's he, what's he doing here? By, by calling them strangers and pilgrims, what's he, what's he doing? He's reminding them that you're not here forever. So don't live like you are. You're, you're just as a stranger, you're a pilgrim, you're passing through, you're not here to stay. Your, your citizenship is in heaven. But while you live it, don't live like you're here to stay. Don't live like the common men out there. Don't live like as if you're here for eternity because you're not going to be. You're actually just passing through. Don't get comfortable. You're a stranger. I thank God for the Bible. Because every time I read the scriptures and I see what the prophets went through and what the apostles went through and what good Macedonian Christians went through, not necessarily the Corinthians, I hope they came good, makes me feel normal. Because I do feel like a stranger in this world, an alien, walking around, oh, who's that? Oh, here he is again. There he is. Oh. You know, Peter says in his second epistle that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We're told over and over again to live in the light of eternity, doing the will of God. As strangers and pilgrims, look, look what he says here. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt in the fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Look at this. Seeing that that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? See that? What, you know what Peter's saying? When the Lord returns, everything's going to be burnt. You can't take nothing with you. It's all going to dissolve. So how should you live in the light of that? How should your conversation or your manner of life be? Holy. What's that? Separate. What's that? Not like the people or the common men out there different we're not living to store up more wealth and more treasures where rust corrupts and moth eats or the thief comes and steal we are living in such a way that we would uh, uh, serve Christ as good soldiers pleasing the Lord and everything that we have will be used for his glory 
Jesus told us to look in the light of eternity, not to store up treasures here on earth. What are you living for? Uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, uh, sorry, to the Colossians, if you then be risen with Christ, look at this, seek those things which are where? Above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Look at, this, look at this, he says this, look at this. Set your affection one and only desire. Your affection, where? On who? On things above. Not on where? Not on the things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall, then, then shall ye also appear with him in where? Glory. And then what's the admission after that? Setting his affection in order. Getting his mind and motive in order. Mortify. Put to death. Deaden. Abstain. Flee. Crucify. What? Your members on, uh, upon the earth. Here. The fleshly lusts that come from within. Fornication. Uncleanness. Look at this. Inordinate affection. Evil, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is what? Idolatry for which the things, uh, for which the things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of who? Okay, so this is what he's simply saying, that the children of disobedience, those that know not God, this is how they live. And look what he says in verse 7, in the which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them. But we don't live like this and we shouldn't live like this. As the people of God, we need to mortify. Mortify. If you be risen with Christ, set your affection. Deaden, put to death those things that you once lived in. Are they in your members? Yes. But don't feed the flesh. Do not feed the flesh. What will help us put to death and abstain from fleshly desires? This, this one thing. The grace of God. Have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I want you to see it. Without the grace of God and the strength of God and the mercy of God upon our lives, there's no way in the world that we'll be able to continue living the Christian life. We need the Lord. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at this. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all what? Malice and all guile. Look at that word here. Hypocrisies. Living a double life envies and all evil speaking look at this as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby look at this if so be that you have tasted that the lord is what's your motivation to lay aside sin what's your motivation to desire the sincere milk of the word that you grow the grace of god god has been good to you god has forgiven you much therefore love him much you know you know why people i said this yes you know why people don't excel and so affection to the Lord and obey and love and worship him, kiss his feet, uh, you know, live an extravagant love toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I understand how much the grace of God has affected their life and how much they've been forgiven. Because he that has been forgiven much, love much. And you know what? We've all been forgiven much, but we just don't see it. You know, the grace of God, you know what we see? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What, you know why it's so amazing? Because God had mercy upon my life. He showed mercy and grace and therefore I'd be strong in those very things. Look at James 4 and verse 6. But he giveth more grace to who? To who? The humble. Wherefore he saith God resist who? The proud. But he gives more grace to the who? Humble. And then watch this. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Again, you know why Christians lose the battle? They're not submitting to God. They're not submitting to the head, which is Christ, and doing the very things that God has called them to do. They're living an independent life, Christian life, outside of the will of God. And they're living in pride. Oh, man, I haven't done some gross things, you know. You know, just look at your thought life. And look at what you think about. 
And if we were to project them here on a screen and everyone were to see them, we'll hang our head low. Just because you haven't committed the act doesn't make you a super Christian. As a matter of fact, let me say this to you. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for their hypocrisies because they were so proud that they, didn't, they, they weren't like the publicans or the sinners and they weren't like the harlots. But deep down in their heart, they had inordinate affection and lustful desires. They were proud and didn't humble themselves and rely on the mercies of God. You remember what Paul says to Timothy? Remember when he told them to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? And to be a good soldier that pleases the Lord and don't be entangled in the affairs of this light. In verse 1, you know what he said? He begins verse 1 by saying, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know what grace is? You know what it means to have the grace of God upon your life and to walk in grace, to walk by faith in God's grace, to live, to keep yourself in the love of God and, the, and looking for the mercy of Jesus Christ. It's what Paul says, that the love of God constrains us, brethren. It constrains us to live for Christ. It's the cross of Christ and the sufferings of Christ. We found, we found strength in due time because of God's commended love toward us in that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. And living in that reality and keeping our eyes upon the Lord. Romans 13, 14 Put, on, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That comes first. Our relationship with the Lord by his grace and, 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 and enjoying the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, and make what? Know what? Provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Listen, I'm going to say it very clearly right now. No relationship, no intimate relationship with the Lord. Forget about it. If you're going to live in 2023 and you don't have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, depending upon his grace, living by faith, then you can forget about applying this message to your life. It's just not going to happen. You're just going to be doing these ones. And you're not going to move. You're going to be flat. Another year's gone past. No growth. No building up your faith in the, mo in the, in the, in the, in the most uh, uh, your holy faith. There's none of that. You want to, you know, the Bible says make no provision. You know what that means? Don't give any room. Don't give any room. Our lordship to Christ is important. Is the Lord the Lord of your life? And again, people don't like that because they just live by faith and we're saved, we're going to heaven. Don't worry about the lordship of Christ. And if you dare to preach on the lordship of Christ, you might be one of these lordship salvation guys. No. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's my rabbi. Is he yours? Why call me Lord, Lord, and you do not the things I tell you? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's missing today in Christendom today, brethren. It's missing. And this is why people are not serious about making no provision for the flesh. Because the lordship of Christ is not there. The obedience and allegiance to their, to their master and general is not there. To the head of the church is not there. Jesus, I want to remind you today, is our Saviour and Lord. Remember, we are passing pilgrims. That means we're not here to stay. We're one day going to be with the Lord. And we need to live in the light of that. Lord, come quickly. But while you, while you tarry, I'm going to occupy till you come. Looking. Looking. To the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. But how are we, how, how are we to live in the light of that? Well, remember, we're purchased possessions. And we are peculiar people that God has called us to do work. We are created in Christ, Christ Jesus unto good works, we are here to show forth his praises and the very thing that will hinder you my friend is a lack of relationship with the Lord, the lack of God's grace, grieving the spirit of God and 
yielding to your fleshly appetites. May God help every single one of us in 2013 to truly live like passing pilgrims depending upon God's grace. You have tasted that the Lord is gracious? Have you seen how good God has been to you? Then say, Lord, not my will but thine be done. You know, God is so gracious that he's so patient with you that this, he, he doesn't kick you while you're down. He says, get up, son, get up. Or my, you know, a just man falleth how many times? Seven times he gets up again and he goes. We need to stay humble, rely on God's grace and move forward. Something's got to change. It's called sanctification, brethren. Are you growing? Are you desiring the word that you may grow? Laying aside hypocrisy in every form and fashion? May God help us. Every one of us. Amen? Let's pray.